Welcome to Building the Future, Freedom, Prosperity, and Foreign Policy, a podcast series focused on updating the United States soft power playbook to meet the hopes and aspirations of developing countries because it's in America's interest to do so. I'm Dan Rundy, Senior Vice President at CSIS. There are a lot of global challenges out there, so let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Building the Future with Dan Rundy. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Nancy Eslick. She's the Senior Deputy Assistant to the Administrator for the U.S. Agency for International Development's Bureau for Resilience and Food Security and the Global Water Coordinator at USAID. So most importantly, that was a lot of words, but she's the Global Water Coordinator at AID, and it's a, it's a big job, and we're going to talk about water and what she's doing with that, but also talk a little bit about her career. At USAID, Nancy leads the agency's implementation responsibilities under the U.S. Global Water Strategy, which envisions a water-secure world that advances health, prosperity, stability, and resilience through sustainable and equitable water resources management and access to safe drinking water, sanitation services, and hygiene. Prior to her current role, Nancy served as a career member of USAID's Senior Foreign Service, including roles as Mission Director to Jordan, Bosnia, Cambodia, and then other senior roles based in Uganda, Pakistan, and the Office of Central American and Mexican Affairs. She's a master's degree in public affairs and environmental science with a focus in water resources, which is sort of coming full circle, alongside an undergraduate degree from Indiana University at Bloomington. So she's a Hoosier, which is great. And she's also a lifeline Hoosier, if I'm not mistaken as well, right? By birth, Hoosier by birth. So I'm podcasting Nancy today to talk about the importance of global water security and the role that USAID plays in the global water strategy, which is a, a significant one. So Nancy, I'm really grateful that you would join us today. Dan, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be on your podcast. I am so impressed with your 150 podcasts that you've done. Incredible to be part of that cadre of people, but also thank you. Like we've been friends for a long time and I just really appreciate the invitation to talk to you and to your followers today. So like, what a cool title do I have? And what a great job. USAID's Global Water Coordinator. Like, for me, I think this must have been, like, I don't know, a lifelong dream. And I think you're right. It's full circle. I'm a very proud Hoosier. And when I was an undergrad, I was going to grow up and be a wetlands professor. Like, water was the thing that I was interested in. I went off to Peace Corps. I came back to grad school. It only reconfirmed that I was interested in water, in the environment. and lo and behold, here I am today. And it's taken me across the world to see so many incredible things that the U.S. government in partnership with other countries does, whether that's Cambodia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, acting mission director in Jordan. I even had a chance back in my hometown to work for my local public works department at one point in time. So I got to see firsthand how water and sanitation is an equalizer across the world. And whether it's Elkhart, Indiana, or you're in Amman, Jordan, how having clean water and sanitation supply really helps an individual and a country level up. You know, right now, the world is facing unprecedented challenges related to water, floods, droughts, 
you know, lagging access of water across sub-Saharan Africa and the impending El Nino events, or even last night in DC, it disrupts livelihoods. For this reason, I'm excited to leverage my background and work in partnership with the private sector, with governments and other development partners to see how we can advance the water security agenda. I love it. So Nancy, when I think about AID, I was at AID, as you know, when we first met a long time ago when we were both younger. We're not still, that we're, long ago. Not yeah. that long ago. Just we're just still today. young and we're still young. I remember when I thought about water, I thought about it in several, sorry, I'm going to use lots of like water metaphors and several buckets. Sorry. So one of the buckets was drink healthy, drinkable water. So some of it was like AID did things around healthy, drinkable water. AID did things around hand washing and toilets. AID did things around managing kind of coastal areas and environmental stuff. I can put it that way. That was kind of a thing. Then there was sort of, um, then there was sort of water in the context of agriculture. And then, I don't know, then I'm going to call like localized water infrastructure in villages and maybe municipalities. These are sort of like when I thought about what aid did in the water space, these are the sort of things I thought about. And when I was there, you know, a long time ago, there's like different flavors of money in the foreign aid system. There's like economic growth money, there's health money, but there's not, I'm going to call it a water flavored money. So first of all, I guess my question would be is like, okay, is that the right way to think about? Maybe I'm out of date on this and I'm kind of describing this in this kind of overly simplistic way. But I mean, I think everything you said though about like we underestimate in the developed world, like how important water is because we just turn on the faucet. We have drinkable water. We have toilets. They work, right? We have floods. We have flood management systems. We have water irrigation systems for our agriculture, So in the developed world, like we're not like these are all things that we kind of sort of take for granted. But in the developing world, these are not things we take for granted and are really important to sort of making sure a whole bunch of other things happen, whether it's health and the environment, agriculture, sanitation, disease. So I'm glad that we have a USAID Global Water Coordinator function. I'm glad you're in this role. You know, how has AIDS thinking about water evolved? What is the U.S. global water strategy? And how does AID fit into the U.S. global water strategy? You know, Dan, thanks. And first of all, I'm going to say it's so easy to make water puns. It just like it comes into like verbs, nouns, all sorts of things. So, you know, I'm going to dabble. I'm going to dabble. Go with the flow, right? The flow and um, talk about what the U.S. global water strategy is, because I think maybe Actually, I know that this didn't exist um, back when we worked together at USAID. And so let me update you a little bit about what like, the current U.S. government posture is on water. So the U.S. global water strategy, it articulates what the U.S. government will work on in partnership to realize a water secure world, where all people and nations have water that they need to thrive and prosper. But the story behind it is actually pretty cool. In 2008, and that does date us, a group of advocates got together and with Congress and these representatives from Congress decided that a water security has to be a priority for our foreign assistance. And it's easy to see why being able to drink safe water and use a toilet every day, just like you said, is incredibly important. And especially not having to go long distance to find those things. It's foundational for economic growth. 
And we need to make sure that countries across the world effectively manage their resources so they can make resilient and productive economies. So let me give you a few examples of what has happened out of this Water for the World Act in 2008. Women and girls do not have to spend hours every day collecting water far from home. They have more time so they can go to school. They can participate in a local economy. When water resources are effectively managed, farmers are more likely to have the water they need to grow crops and feed their communities in face of drought. And then these same farmers or anyone else in a community also has safe drinking water. When people drink from contaminated sources, they're susceptible to becoming sick, which prevents them from going to work, from going to school, from going into their agricultural fields, and it really just upends the economy. And so from a larger scale productive perspective, water can help power economies and provide jobs and energy and manufacturing, light industry. So like literally, the globe needs water to operate. So 20 years ago, way back in time, these legislators and other stakeholders recognized all this. And they decided it was really important to create a piece of specific legislation that laid it out. And that's what the Water for the World Act does. And it allows basically the United States to think and have the ability for everyone to have access to water and sanitation. It creates that priority for us. And basically it means that this is also where USAID with the support of Congress is putting water into a worldwide water security agenda. And I think, you know, what makes part of this story special is that it's bipartisan. I think that everyone supports water security, regardless of where anyone sits politically. And I think a large part it's because people can really imagine what it would be like to not be able to access safe water or a toilet on a regular basis. So this group of individuals, their dedicated efforts produced a series of legislation that went on to establish the Global Water Strategy in 2017, which the Department of State and USAID co-leads. The strategy articulates how the U.S. government will use both development and diplomacy to advance progress in water and sanitation abroad. So last year, we updated the strategy to align it with the latest evidence and approaches so that it's evidence-based, responding to changing global landscapes, and to advance foreign policy. So under this updated strategy, we're doubling down and in investing in what we call the enabling environment for water and sanitation. You know what this is? Essentially, it's strengthening governance and in institutions like regulators, base and authorities, water utilities to ensure our partner countries can sustain water and sanitation services over the long term. It's a long term investment for people. We're also laser focused on mobilizing finance from all corners and helping to establish vibrant markets for water and sanitation products, because we know that the private sector has an incredibly huge role to play. We've integrated climate change in important ways. For instance, we've elevated the important role data and climate information services can play in predicting floods and droughts for both water utilities, but also for farmers. We've brought our world-renowned work in humanitarian water and sanitation into our updated strategy. So, you know, we're doing a combo here. And we recognize that no corner of the world is now immune to disasters. To be effective, 
we need to approach this development problem in concert with our partners in humanitarian assistance and peace building. So that's a little bit about where we are now in terms of the U.S. government on the global water strategy. You know, one of the things, Nancy, I'm thinking about, though, is, is, is clearly it's multifaceted. It requires working in partnership with others. There's a significant governance component. Maybe that's something people don't think about immediately when they think about the water issue, but this is actually really important. A little bit to your comment earlier about working for a local municipality when you got out of college, that, you know, to deliver significant amounts of water requires some kind of, you know, functioning state or some sort of functioning set of institutions, nonprofit institutions, the private sector. So I think that focus is particularly interesting. Talk about, you've touched on how, you know, water is important, but could you talk a little bit about how it sits in advancing the U.S. government's foreign policy priorities? Because I think this touches on a number of different potential priorities of the American government. So thanks for that question. First off, I'd like to say that at USAID, we believe that supporting water security has long advanced U.S. foreign policy priorities. And this administration in particular has committed itself to leading on water under PREPARE, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, and the White House Action Plan on Global Water Security, as well as under the Partnership for Global Infrastructure and Investment, or PGII, the administration's effort to mobilize hundreds of billions of dollars to deliver quality, sustainable infrastructure that makes a difference in people's lives around the world. We're doing our part to contribute to PGII under the Global Water Strategy. We've committed to reaching 22 million people with safe and sustainable access to water and another 22 million people with safe and sustainable access to sanitation. And we've also committed to mobilizing a billion dollars in the water sector. Infrastructure is a critical piece of how we do that and how we deliver development results. We're also using our water investments to stand with the courageous people of Ukraine for as long as it takes to win that war against Russia's aggression. Russia has tried to weaponize the region's harsh winter against the people of Ukraine by destroying its energy and the heating systems. These energy systems are also essential to pumping water throughout the country. In response, we delivered emergency generators to water utilities in Ukraine so they could continue to deliver water services. And finally, we're also surging to support allies facing severe water shortages in their capitals. Montevideo, Uruguay, has been in the news lately, but a few years ago it was Cape Town in South Africa that dominated the headlines. USA joined the city in its efforts to advert a long-awaited day zero, the day the water runs dry. As Cape Town officials urgently sought to maximize supplies through wastewater recycling to ensure essentially that scarce water is treated to potable standards and it wasn't being used for things that don't require potability in manufacturing and to identify new water sources altogether. So these are some of the fundamentals we partnered with Cape Town on. We also helped the city's utility entirely revamp their billing collection system to help them improve their ability to pay for things like expended water source development and to mitigate future drought. So those are a few of the things that the administration is working on now, but this bipartisan support that's long supported water has been working on. So Nancy, there's an enormous number of challenges to achieve this vision. 
and it requires sustained focus over a long period of time. No one institution, whether it's AID or the World Bank or a big philanthropy like the Gates Foundation or companies on their own can do this, or many developing country governments on their own can't do this. So there are a number of challenges that need to be faced. What are they and what is AID doing to overcome some of these challenges in the water space? I've talked a little bit today about working to overcome global challenges, such as climate change and conflict. The thing I'd add to this to answer your question is that we have a global political will to drive and accelerate progress. This will require a wholesale effort to mobilize political commitments, financing, and accountability. Political prioritization and governance is critical at all levels, whether that's locally, whether that's nationally, or globally. At the local level, we need water to be appropriately priced to ensure full cost recovery, to enable reinvestment in the sustainability of infrastructure and underlying water resources. For example, we can't have mayors declaring that water will be free in local election cycles. This happens all too often, and we've seen that this leads to infrastructure failure and over-exploitation of water resources without long-term consequences. Water needs to be priced and paid for and part of a city's long-term planning. What's more, at the country level, we need ministers of finance to prioritize increased budget allocations for the water sector. And internationally, globally, we need a high level of political leadership to drive attention investment into the water sector, like we've seen from the vice president in championing the White House Action Plan on Global Water Security. This is why the U.S. government is calling for the appointment of a special envoy on water for the United Nations. A special envoy is critical to ensuring high-level intention and investment in water from U.N. member states. The challenges are daunting, but I'm optimistic, as I always try to be, that as the U.S. government doubles down on its commitments and as we continue to work closely with new and long-standing partners, we can help bring a water-secure world for all. I appreciate it, Nancy. I'm just thinking about the way I think about this is sort of like the way the U.S. government had a bipart has had a bipartisan consensus on basic education for 40 years. And so over 40 years, you've had sustained attention through the U.N. system, through research, through focus from attention from AID for decades, then working with national governments and local governments to say, okay, you need to invest more in basic ed. And you saw governments begin to do this because they saw this in their interest. And so as you have urbanization, as you have other, whether it's agricultural demands or changes in the environment, you know, these water issues are, you know, increasingly in kind of creeping up the agenda. I don't know how else to describe it and require a multi-decade approach similar to the way there's been a multi-decade approach to basic ed or multi-decade approach to HIV where, you know, over a 20-year period or 30-year period, you can see kind of a, the curve bend over time in the right direction. So, you know, I'm optimistic sort of with this push and this attention that we're going to, you know, be able to see, you know, there's been some progress in water, but we need to be doing, we need, you know, just requires sustained attention. So I'm so happy that you're in this this new role, this important role. So... You know, I have three priorities in this 
cool position, the global water coordinator, that's actually part of legislation. It's part of that bipartisan support that you've been talking about that's needed for long-term improvement in this sector. So the first priority is to make sure that the global water strategy is advancing the administration's historic commitment to water security. So this past year, it's been monumental for water security in the United States. In June of 2022, the vice president did launch a White House action plan on global water security. It is truly a once in a generation commitment to a climate resilient water and sanitation infrastructure at home, but also abroad. The plan recognizes that global threats to water security have no boundaries. And that's whether it's the Colorado River Basin drying up or Uruguay running out of safe drinking water. It's often poor, marginalized, or vulnerable people and communities who struggle the most to access services. The plan harnesses the full force of the United States government, our diplomatic development and scientific capabilities to reach those left behind. The U.S. is doing its part through the global water strategy. So that's my first priority. The second one is to make sure that we're maximizing American taxpayer dollars by channeling our resources to the places and through the approaches that are gonna have the greatest impact. Under the strategy, we have 22 designated high priority countries for water and sanitation assistance. We have selected these countries because of the high needs, but also because of strong and committed partnerships in those countries that make them an opportunity to work and to advance the development agenda. And we're striving for the most effective approaches, focusing on governance, finance, and institutions, because strengthening the enabling environment will result in a far greater number of people gaining access over time. So what does this look like? So like in the Philippines, one of our high priority countries, it's incredibly vulnerable to the effects of climate change. Water service providers bear much of the expense as they have higher costs for water treatment and infrastructure maintenance due to damage inflicted by extreme weather events. We've also worked with institutions at all levels, national and local, and service providers to better plan for the effects of climate change. For example, our project on the ground helps these institutions access hydrological and climate data, which helps them more accurately predict water availability and to more effectively and efficiently source water for utilities. This data has helped provincial governments in the Philippines develop integrated water security plans that are both benefiting people and ecosystems. So my last priority, and I promise I'll be done after this, is to make sure that our water investments advance USAID's major priorities. First, confronting the greatest challenges of our time, such as climate change. Climate resilience is the cornerstone of our global water strategy and mainstreamed into all of our programming in flagship locations. We've pledged to mobilize $1 billion for climate resilient water and sanitation by 2030 as part of the President's Emergency Plan for Adaption and Resilience, which is known as PREPARE. Another one of these challenges is overcoming gender inequity. The administration has committed to uplifting the rights of women and girls around the world. And we're doing our part to advance gender equity in water sanitation by decreasing the distance from homes to water and sanitation so that girls and women do not have to be susceptible or vulnerable to violence when they traverse long distances. By helping girls stay in school 
and women to continue to work during their monthly time. We've worked with factories in Kenya and Nepal and also schools in Uganda to make sure that women and girls can have access to private toilets and sanitation materials when they need it. In all three places, women and girls reported increased confidence and performance. By supporting women to serve in decision-making leadership roles in the water sector, because when women help shape water policies, communities will benefit. So my last priority is to make sure that our water investments advance USAID's major priorities. First, confronting the greatest challenges of our time, such as climate change. Climate resilience is at the cornerstone of our global water strategy and mainstreamed into all of our flagship programs. And we pledged to mobilize a billion dollars for climate resilient water and sanitation by 2030 as part of the president's emergency plan for adaption and resilience. This is what we call prepare. Another one of these challenges is overcoming gender inequity. The Biden administration has committed to uplifting the rights of women and girls around the world. And we're doing our part to advance gender equity and water and sanitation. By decreasing the distance from homes to water and sanitation, so that girls and women are not vulnerable to violence when they traverse long distances. It also helps girls stay in school and women to continue to work. We've worked with factories in Kenya and Nepal and schools in Uganda to make sure that girls can access private toilets and sanitary materials when they are needed. In all three places, women and girls report increased confidence. By supporting women to serve in decision-making and leadership roles in the water sector, this is because when women help shape water policies, communities benefit. In our six-year partnership with The Gap Incorporated, where training was provided to help women to become champions for water drinking systems. As champions, they then worked with the local government to develop a plan to produce a sustainable water community system. At the end of the partnership, we had empowered one million people to improve access to clean water and sanitation. It also includes embracing new and local partnerships. We're increasing our focus on local partners, for example, with research institutions in Africa and Asia to lead our flagship research initiatives. We're also doubling down on our private sector partnerships and exploring new ones. Well, this is great, Nancy. I think it's really fantastic. I'm really am happy that you're in this role. I really look forward to working with you in this new challenge. You know, I think I'm really happy that AIDs entrusted you with this role. I also think it's important for folks to understand that when we think about water in the world, and when I think about the U.S. government, AID is kind of like front and center on responding to water challenges. And so I think it's a really important, AID is an important partner in responding to some of these global challenges that we've talked about today. So I'm really happy. I look forward to seeing you soon. And I'm thrilled you've taken time out of your schedule to be with me and to talk with me and, and engage my listeners. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. You know, I'm also excited about the role and the partnership that we have with the Department of State in making sure we follow through on the U.S. government's Water for the World Act. I also look forward to reading your book. I haven't read it yet, and I heard it's a good one. (laughs) It is a good one. (laughs) Thanks, Nancy. What a pleasure. Nice to speak with you. Great to see you. Ditto, Dan. I always love talking with you. Thanks. I'm grateful. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. 
You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Visit csis.org slash podcasts to see our full catalog 